Hey everybody, welcome to the book leads impactful books for life and leadership. I'm your series host and leadership performance coach, John Jermillo. This podcast series is about getting to the books that have impacted the people, colleagues in my network. Uh, I want to learn from these great leads, the books that they're reading that have impacted them, their work, their lives, their personal lives, everything, all those different worlds in our mesh. So everything kind of affects everything else. So in this particular podcast, I cover three categories of books. The first category where they're sharing a book with me that I haven't read yet. A uh, second category where we're both speaking to books that we have read, whether specifically for the episode or in our past lives. And then the third category is when I have authors and or publishers on to talk about the books that they have put out there in the world and that they want to share with this audience. In this particular episode, I do have an author and I do have a repeat guest. I'm glad that she came back to visit me again. Uh, Mbane Mbima is a EVP of brand strategy at David Rio Chai and Tea and is a prominent leader, writer, public speaker, and coach with a versatile professional background spanning 15 years in banking, food service, philanthropy, and the beverage industry. Known for her, her innovative and bold ideas, Mbone has made significant strides in promoting diversity and inclusion exemplified during her tenure at, Comp at Compass Group, where she led the BNI Diversity and Inclusion Action Council. Her efforts earned her the Thompson Hospitality Leadership Award in 2014, in 2016, Mbone took a transformative sabbatical in Kenya, heading communications for the Equity Group Foundation. There, she worked on impactful socio uh, programs, socioeconomic programs, focusing on education and financial inclusion for the underprivileged. At David Rio, she manages philanthropic initiatives, including collaborations with the International Fund for Animal Welfare and Wildlife Conservation. Mbone. Uh, has also made her mark as an author, publishing two workbooks, Reflect and Renew, a New Year workbook, and Thank You, the 29-Day Gratitude Challenge. Her commitment to creating a positive impact is evident in her active participation on various influential boards, such as the McCall School of Business and the SHFM Foundation. Her passions extend to leadership impact and a deep love for Af Africa's wildlife. Mbane enjoys uh, spicy masala ch chai. Um, which I know nothing about, and has a unique family dynamic being a mother to a human son and an adopted elephant orphan living in Kenya's Savo uh, National Park. Did I pronounce that right, Mbone? Yes, you did. Okay, that was by luck. In any <laughs> case, I referenced before that she'd, be a, she'd been a, a guest on a previous episode, and we were just talking about that before we recorded. Uh, incredible that that was episode 20. And she'll be episode 81 by the time that this is out and the last for this particular season. Um, I had already wrapped up scheduling folks for this season, but she reached out uh, to talk about her new upcoming book or her book that's already out. So she wanted to share that. So this will be episode 81. But again, episode 20, that was March 2022 that we spoke about her other book. So it's just intense and amazing that it's been that long, but time flies and um it's great to catch up with people that have made an impact on you or that have made that lasting impression. I've told her her episodes was one of my favorite because um, just of her, her energy, her energy for life, her energy for conservation, uh, just her experiences. So Mbone, thank you so much for being here again. Thank you. And congratulations, John. 61 episodes later. Um, and also thinking about how all of this started and now how the the impact that you're having with um, the podcast. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, it seems unreal. It seems unreal just sharing with you that that was episode 20. Um, 
it's amazing how it seems exhausting thinking about the difference between 81 to 20, but you know, with these great conversations, similar to the ones that I had with you and, and my other guests, it's just very energetic to know that people like you are out there doing great work, whether it's conservation, whether it's philanthropic efforts, excuse me, uh, the coaching, the leading, everything that they're all doing in their communities. It's just amazing. And um, that's what keeps me going in these episodes is just learning what you're all about. So thank you. Thank you as well. Uh, so Mbone, just so and obviously people can go take a listen to the other episode after they finish this one. But just so for we can, so we can do it for people who haven't met you, haven't listened to the other episode. Can you tell me a little more about what you're doing today? The Your bio is expansive. It's amazing in the work that you're doing. But what does your work look like in the day to day? Yeah. So um, thank you for that. Um, I, first of all, a little background. My name is Mboni Ubima, as you said, um, originally from Nairobi, Kenya, born and raised there. And that's truly where the passion for conservation came from, because at a very early age, I spent a lot of time in our national parks and and got to see um, nature um almost um, on a monthly basis, like my my parents would take us out to the parks and, and see, and we'd see the, the wildlife, the elephants, the lions, the rhinos, all of it. And so it became a part of who I am. And um, as I've shared with you previously, when I went uh, out to San Francisco when I was li living there, I went to visit the chai bar and um, the chai bar is, is where David Rio has this space where you can experience the David Rio brand. And they had the writing about the work that they were doing in Ambaseli, Kenya, which was to help with the conservation efforts for the elephants. And at that time, I, I just knew I, I was home. I knew I had arrived. And so it's all connected, as I've shared with you in the past, because as you were reading through my bio, I was like, whoa. Even for me, I'm like, that's a lot. <laughs> yeah. It's a lot, but but it works and it's all connected and it's all about um just aligning with what is needed when it's needed to push to push the work forward. Um so while it sounds like a lot, um it's all connected. Like the wildlife, the conservation is connected to the chai. And even in the chai, I'm in a leadership position where I use my platform to do outreach and to mentor um students to to support leaders who are in similar positions and so on and so forth. But it's all connected. Yeah, it's amazing when we can take that journey where it seems like everything is random. It seems like nothing makes sense, one following the other. But in the end, you look back and everything is connected. I mean, you were just talking about how you moved from the Bay Area in California to where you are now. And at first, that eh, didn't make sense. I think you even said you were leaving kicking and, sh and screaming. But if you consider looking back now, you, you said that it's it was for the best and it's worked out. Absolutely. Um, because, you know, when, when um, I when we made the decision to move um, at the time as a family, we were moving because um, there was another opportunity uh, to embark on. But I really did not want to leave the Bay Area because I felt that would impact my my job at David Rio. But thankfully, um, that's not how um, our CEO saw it. Um, and so 
we worked on a way to make it work. And so I'm still there. I'm still uh, able to have the same impact that I had. I would even argue I have more impact because now I'm in a more central location and, you know, the the life in the Bay Area, especially for a working mother is, is (laughs) challenging. And, and so the reprieve from living there um, and now in the suburbs of Charlotte is, is a much better adjustment. So, I'm happy. So I see so many things that you share on social media. So what are some of the things that you're working on these days? Like, what does that look like? Are you, do you reach out to new partners, new collaborations? What does that look like in Bonet? Yeah, no, absolutely. So right now there's a a few things that are top of my agenda. One being with the David Rio Foundation. We've made a lot of progress since the last time I spoke to you. When we last spoke, we were just launching it. It had just, um, we had just gotten our 501c3 um, registration. And then um, I went out and did fundraising. And I'm so happy to report that now we have a ranger base in um, Amboseli. And the whole idea is that this ranger base is able to support the protection and the conservation of the elephants in the area uh, under a program called Room to Roam that is led by the International Fund for Animal Welfare. So that was a big win for us to to be able to build that ranger base. And then um, this year, now we're working with the women in the community uh, to build a, I mean, to have an education program that helps them with how they create their artifacts that they sell to my clients um and then in turn that then also helps with funding for the organization so for the foundation and so that's very exciting um on that foundation front um also i'm sitting on a number of boards so just last week i was sitting at the um on the board for the society for hospitality and food service management which is a new appointment for me uh being on the main board and i'm so I'm um, glad to be on there and lend my voice as a, a woman of color, as somebody with a background that I do in marketing, conservation, uh, strategic planning, and um, organizational development. So I, I'm really glad that the society recognized my contributions to it and then also allow has given me the opportunity to serve. So those are two big things. <laughs> Yeah, that's huge. So, Mbone, when it comes to you and the work that you're doing, um, and you shared so much about what you're doing today, what did your path into your career look like uh, as an adolescent, maybe going into college or going into your career? What did those first couple steps into your career look like? And then can you kind of walk us briefly through what it's led, how, how it's led to today? Yeah, I, I love that question because... <laughs> It always brings us to this point where, you know, when you're starting out your career, you have these ideas of what it should be and then how it unfolds for many of us is is not (laughs) what we thought it would be. Um, Because if you asked 22-year-old me, I was going to be... um, I I, I don't even... I can't even remember the term because I just read it off of some book and I thought it was really fancy and wonderful and it had something to do with um banking forensics which i don't even know why that was a thought but it was sounds nice thought. though <laughs> sounds fancy yeah I, I would probably think the same thing too when i was younger 
<laughs> exactly. But then when, of course, I, I got into college, I, I thought I was going to be a journalist. And that's what I pursued until I realized that being a journalist would probably start me out, you know, in, in the field. And, and I didn't want to be in the field, especially when you think about like war zones and all of that. I was like, that is not not where I will shine the most. And so then I thought, what should I do with that? And then I converted that into communications and then later on organizational psychology. And um, once I was done with that, then I was like, okay, what does one do with organizational psychology? So I, I went into communications, but then um, over time I stopped trying to control the outcomes of how it's, it was unfolding. Um, and just started taking on opportunities as they came. And so long as it aligns with my excitement, so long as it aligns with um, how I, I feel about the impact it will have, then I move forward with it. And I think that is how I got to where I am today. Definitely not um, strategic planning on my end. It's more of following my gut and, and um, aligning with, with what is being presented. Zambona, how did you end up in the States? Was it education? How did you how did you leave your country to, to come to the States work or part of education? Yes, I, I came to the States. Um, so the first time I visited the States was because my, my mom um, had uh, some work going on in here. And so I, the first place I went to was Manhattan, which was amazing um, as a first introduction to the United States. But then um, later on, I applied um, to the University of Indianapolis and I was accepted with, with a pretty good scholarship. And so that's how I ended up coming um, to the United States. And then just one thing led to another. Um, someone had told me to apply for the green card lottery and I did. And then I won it and it was just so unexpected um, because I was very uh, determined to go back to Kenya um, and, you know, explore my career from there. But after some coaxing from my parents, I agreed to stay in the United States and see what it would um, have to offer. And I'm glad I made that decision because today I can say that both places are home. Kenya is home. Um, the United States is home, and I am much more impactful um, in terms of uh, pursuing my purpose by having both places as, as home. Uh, but that is how I got here. Now, Bonnie, what did, what did your parents do for work? What was it I think you had previously shared for me, uh, with me, um, just what had led them to come to the States with you to New York? What, what was it? about their careers maybe or the family uh, that influenced you in the way that it did? Yeah, so both my parents were in the international nonprofit sector and my dad was um, in, in the agroforestry as well as conservation um, information um, area. And so he worked for um, a number of organizations, I'm not sure the audience would know, but it would be ICRAF and um, ILRAD, which are big names in the, in that world. And then also my mom was in the nonprofit world, but for children, her expertise was in ch uh, children. And then also when you look at the rest of, of their siblings, there are many of them are in that 
um, nonprofit international organization world. And so that's where I thought I would end up. Um, however, it influenced me deeply such that ever since I began my career, I have always been involved in some level of philanthropy, whether it's the organization that I'm working for is giving back or I'm running the programs that allow our um, our teams to be able to give back, but it, it, it is just a part of my DNA, I think. Um, and, and that's how they influenced um, my career direction. And then, um... There's just so it's amazing when there's that kind of connection between parents and um, their their kids, where what the parents do influences them so much. Um, so obviously, I, I always ask the question: Does it make sense from your childhood who you were as a person, what you saw, that you're doing the work that you're doing today? So how do you how do you speak to that? How do you reconcile that? Yeah, no, I love that question, and I love it because for the longest time. Um, I thought that I was um, the one that ventured out and did something different because I, I work in corporate, whereas most of my family doesn't. But um, I started looking at the at the details of it. And um, I mean, a good portion of my work is communication and marketing. And if you look at, if well, my dad's work in the conservation was, communication and information and so I didn't really <laughs> go far off from from that it was just a different setting and then um, my mom has strength has has been in creating these organizations she started the the Kenya Alliance for Advocacy of Children's Rights from my bedroom when I was six wow. years old and she'd have me help her type up the RFPs and I mean, sorry, the, the proposals for funding and grant making and all of that. And now that's that's how I'm supporting the David Rio Foundation. And that's what made me know that that is a possibility um, for our organization, for our company. And so there are just so many influences into who I have become today, even if on paper by title and by what I'm doing, it looks different, but it's not that different. Um, we're in the people business and we are in the making the world a better place business. Amen. Mm. And just storytelling. I mean, that's what it comes down to is just sharing the stories of whatever community, whatever country, whatever, whatever the context may be. It's just, it's all such passionate, powerful storytelling. And it's for you, it's come full circle. Bingo. It has come full circle. That that's that's it. And and I feel, especially now, um, I feel like I'm in a good place where I've kind of understood how to align and flow with all of it. Um and not to rush us into into the segment for the the book that I've uh, currently released, but that has been one of the tools that I have used in order to envision what's possible and then um, see it unfold. And also how to release what no longer serves me so that I can continue to move forward, evolve and grow. Um, so yes, it's full circle and in, in, in a very humbling that's, way. That's such a good point to make about how you how we move forward through life, through career, through mission, whatever it may be gravitating towards what gives us energy and then releasing what doesn't. Yes. 
Because I think so many people, they hold on to things because they don't want to be seen as a quitter. Like they feel like I have to, I have to see this project out, which most times you do, or I have to see my tenure at this company out because I don't want to look like a quitter. Or I have to see this relationship out to a natural end because I don't want to be seen as a quitter. But so many times we're tolerating things that it's it's powerful. I think when somebody says, you know, I release things that just don't serve their purpose or don't align with my values or what I want out of life or for other people or my community. So I love that you bring that point up. Yeah, no, that is so powerful. And I think for a lot of people, especially as they're growing, we we especially the big buzzword with everyone is manifest 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 it's it's wonderful yes manifest but then in order to manifest you're pulling in from the same energy like you have a an energy source mm -hmm. and if you're still pulling what no longer serves you you don't have energy to manifest new and so that that concept of releasing um is so important uh, because then you're restoring the energy that you need in order to move forward and and that's something that i've intentionally been working on to learn how to release because like you said um there are parts of us that equate that with um giving up and and i like to look at it as making space um mm. creating space restoring energy um so that yeah utilizing that energy that you did have for something from the past correct. utilizing it uh reallocating energy i guess correct and what no longer serves you tends to be heavier than it was even when it was serving you oh, <laughs> it ends up point. drawing so much energy like you'd be amazed and it's like the moment you let it go you and i've heard this from so many people um especially in my coaching second uh, sessions where it's like you release something you truly release something and then it's like you start moving at this really fast speed and it's because what you were holding was heavy and you released it so the inertia will push you forward yeah. it's like oh this is working out this is working out this is working out yes because you let go because yeah. you released yes yeah, that's a good point. I mean, certain things, even relationships, if you hold yes. on for too long, they become toxic and they become a toxic burden. Yes. So it, it is like picturing carrying things. So it's like, what are your priorities? If you did the best you could with certain things and they're not working out, it's not about taking, taking, taking. It's back and forth. But like right. you said, if they're no longer serving you, it's time to set that down and reapply that energy somewhere else. Yes. And Bonnie, before we jump to the book, what um, question that I've added that it should have been there from the get-go, uh, I don't think I asked in the last episode. I added it later in the sessions. What does leadership mean to you, especially great leadership? What does that mean to you? What does it yeah. look like? So um, I'm, I'm going to expound on it a little bit, if you don't mind, um, because that is, that is a topic of great passion for me. Um, and... I, I want to, um, for me, why it's so important is that there's a study that I read about maybe 10, 15 years ago, and I truly hope that the state of the world has changed, but it, it was a Harvard a peer-reviewed um, survey that looked at all the leadership throughout the entire world. So from presidents to CEOs, but then there was some criteria there. And, and please don't quote me as it's been a long time. But the outcome of the study was that 
the amount of effective leadership throughout the world was less than 10%, which to me was quite shocking. Um, because if you think about, you know, our countries, our companies and all of that, and then we say that the number is less than 10%, then what is happening? But then at the same time, if it was more efficient, what could the world look like? And so for me, that leadership is what, what it means to me is the ability to facilitate um, growth, to facilitate um, purpose, to facilitate the best of what is possible. So for me as a leader, I, I look at my team and I think, how can I help them be better? How can I equip them? How can I make them leaders so that I'm not the only one uh, working towards um, a purpose, driving purpose. Um, and so leadership to me, effective leadership um, is, is something that is practiced both um, externally but intrinsically um, and is, is purpose-driven. And the purpose being that my, my the impact of my leadership um, should help not only move the work forward but then create mm. others that come after me to do uh, to continue the work ah, i love that point i love that point that it's not about for instance the work at hand the project at hand or the mission at, at hand like today's work but it is about that ripple effect of your community your team like are you making leaders yourself are you facilitating those conversations, that environment, empowering people to create that ripple effect? Because I'm sure you've seen it. When you see a great leader, you're blown away. You know what I mean? It's not just a manager. It's not just somebody calling the shots, but it's somebody who just there. And it's not power. It's yeah. not power. It's not a label. It's not a title. But there's just something about a great leader when you see them at work and in action where you just want to rise to the occasion for them. You want to go to bat for them. You don't want to let them down. And it's nothing that they said to you, you know, don't let me down. It's just something they, they inspire you. They inspire, inspire. you um, through and through. And, it, and it, it's sad, but that, that study that you reference where that level may be 11% are effective. It's not surprising to me because it's one thing for a manager or a supervisor, or even a leader to, provide the tools for you to get the work done and the mission's done and everything's achieved. That's great. But very rarely do you come across those leaders where they affect you so much that even when they're not around, you continue that, that, that drive. Um, it becomes a, a matter of first wanting to do it for them, but then through constant practice, you kind of do the reps and it becomes natural to you to want to do that for other people to come through for other people. So even though that number is shocking, it doesn't surprise me. And everybody's going to have a different measurement of what success means. You know what I mean? For you and I, that success looks like creating more leaders, inspiring people to action where some people may just see it as the numbers were met for this, for this quarter. That's good enough. So it's like that definition of leadership is so important to distinguish that, that inspiration piece. Right. And one thing that I learned um, many years ago, I, I took this um, study, which is now hopefully going to become mainstream. It was it was a course that was offered um, through a, a partnership with um, 
Harvard, the Southern California School System, and two others, and it was called ontological and phenom phenomenological. Um, wow, look at it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> yes, leadership. And one of the big takeaways from from for that from me was that um, when you create a vision that is much bigger than you, and then you work with your people to see that vision, and they take it on for themselves, now that's when you truly have created um, an impact so that even if I'm not there, we know what we're working towards. And the example that I like to give with, with my coaching sessions or when I'm teaching is that, you know, Martin Luther King, I love, um, I love, love giving this example. He painted a picture for something that was possible, but we had never seen it before. You know, I have a dream mm -hmm. that someday, you know, all of that but he painted this picture and it's not that we we um had seen it ha happening but then the vision was so clear that we knew that we can work towards it and now even if we lost him we're still walking towards that achieving that dream and that possibility and what's um, crazy is in that speech he says and i am I, I may not be there i may not be there or get there with you right so he it's almost like he's outlining it. it will be work it will be in the distant future but this is what i envision i have a dream of this of that that we can accomplish these things that is huge that he says and i may not be by your side but this is what we have to work towards right and so for me as a leader that is that is what i paint for my team i say listen this foundation has to outlive us and in order for this foundation to outlive us then we need to set up the systems in place and make sure that this story, this narrative, what we are trying to create here has um, its permanence. And, and that's, that's where I'm borrowing from this, this study, this learning that I did, which is create something that's bigger than you and something that you could never achieve by yourself. And then together, let's walk towards it. I love that. Thank you so much for that example. Yes. All right. So let's, let's jump into the book. Uh, why don't you, in a couple of minutes, I'm going to ask you to go through the previous book that we covered. But for now, let's go through the newer book. Can you introduce yes. the book, how you came to want to publish the book and put this one out? Uh, and then we can kind of break down what's in the book. Yes. Um, so this this new book is Reflect and Renew. Yes. and um, I just got this in the mail this morning. That's not wonderful. bullshit. It is true. Went out to the mailbox. I'm like, what is this? <laughs> and that there it was. Divine timing. Divine exactly. timing. It was perfect. It was perfect. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. So it's Reflect and Renew. It's a New Year workbook. And how this came about is that over the last um, maybe six to seven years, I sit down towards the end of the year and I reflect. And, and I go through um, um, I go through it um uh, following a certain method and first I look at the year and believe it or not the thing that I do is I open my phone and I open the albums and I look at the pictures all the way from January until until December because then that helps me jog my memory of what was done through the year and and all of that and then I start to look at it as you know what what did I do well what did not serve me what uh, do I want to do more of? 
and and what's possible for the future. So I go through that process and then I think outside the box and I think what's the biggest thing that I could envision for next year? Um, and I, I think without without the boundaries of, of reality, I mm. think without um, the constraints that would normally um, be there, and I write that down, and then I, I narrow it into something that is um, achievable. And from there on, then I kind of, it's like I've installed in my mind what is possible and how to move towards it. Um, and I've done this process for the last six to eight years, like I told you, and and I've had success with it. Um, not only have I had success with it, it's fun. It's fun to look through the year um, and actually recognize what you have achieved because we, I don't know if we give ourselves enough time to 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 really allow ourselves to be um in gratitude for what we have accomplished we just keep moving um and so this is why i stop i i would stop and do this with intention um and reflect but um also i have found that through this process i'm also able to identify what it is i need to release and let go of um so that i can move uh forward into the year with with more energy and, and and be more purpose driven. So I've enjoyed the process. And then it just occurred to me that, how about let me see how I can share this process with others. Because not only is it a fun process, it is one that helps me feel like I am moving forward. I'm, I'm moving forward with intention and I have clear goals that I want to accomplish for myself. And then when I accomplish those goals, it feels, so great it feels so <laughs> wonderful <laughs> yeah i was waiting for you to mention that word intention you know yes. intent intentional um because i think so many of us go into the new year like we're okay this is what i'm going to do this is what i'm going to achieve i'm going to lose weight whatever it is like the, the the usual bs that we we feed ourselves but it's something to to really sit down and i like the fact that it's not only looking forward to what you want but really looking back to what you've achieved yes. because i think so many of us we we look to the future to the horizon to the goals and if we don't meet those specific goals we become disheartened disillusioned or sad depressed angry whatever it may be all the feelings but there's just something about really sitting down not just thinking about it but sitting down and writing down what you're thankful for what you've achieved because so many people in my coaching sessions when we go through their past, whether it's a recent past or their experiences because they want to move into a new job or take on new skills, it's amazing how often we don't stop and really look at what we've done. We know we've survived. <laughs> we right. know we've, you know, we've uh, built a career. We know we're successful or on our way to being successful, whatever it may be. We know those general things, but we don't, we're really not good at looking back at what we've achieved, the steps that we've taken, the bravery that we've had, uh, the assessment that we did throughout the year, the little changes. So I love that somebody would have something like this. And this is the main reason I wanted to squeeze you in for the, the last episode of this of this fiscal year, I was going to say, of this year, because obviously it's a journal for that new year. So it gets people thinking in that way that it's not just New Year's resolutions, one or two, but it's it's a plan. You know, you have to be intentional about it. It can't just be a quick list that you're going to put in your phone, but an action plan. 
Absolutely. And and also to to your point, um, you know, when you're reflecting on what you've done well, you're tapping into an energy of what works for you. You're tapping into an energy of um what drives you, what makes you thrive. And you want to create from that space. You don't want to create from a space of despair or desperation or those those energy levels are heavier and don't move um, forward as fast. And so you want to create from a space where um, you associate good and achievement and and positive things that have occurred um, to you. So that's Ouch. that's that's one big piece of it. Um, and then, as I shared before, the the letting go is also very insightful because for what hasn't worked you can now come to the space of of understanding that yeah maybe that's not for me or maybe i just need to put this down for now um and you're giving yourself that permission to do that and you're doing it with intention so that it's not something that you just dropped the ball or just decided to ignore because it's not working the yeah. more intention and purpose you have the more <laughs> targeted you are yeah i love that i mean i mentioned it a couple minutes ago but i love that inclusion of letting go of things that haven't served you and again yeah. it's not that everything needs to serve you you're 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 giving a back and forth with your community with relationships with works whatever it may be it's a back and forth you're giving it's giving you're getting it it's those relationships it's all uh back and forth but at a certain point they don't at a certain point, they seem to flow one way, maybe from you to the other person or the job, whatever it may be. So I love that this is um, a New Year's um, book, a New Year's plan. And again, it's not just looking forward and it's not just looking back to account for what you're grateful for. But that energy piece that you mentioned in Bonet, that's that's huge because I don't think people think about that. They, I think they just think of, about in absolutes what worked, what didn't. But you also have to look at your energy, like where where are the people, where are the projects, where is like the volunteering, where are the relationships that draw that best out of you? Um, so I love that it clarifies and it, it mentions and you mentioned that that energy. I, I, I just don't think people pay attention to the energy. They can think about toxic people, bad situations, but they should also think about, okay, who are the situation? Where are the situations? Who are the people? Where are the environments that get me alive? I guess for life that wake me up, that bring me energy to give my best. That they can really channel themselves around those particular things. So I like the fact that it has people think in that manner. Yeah, absolutely. And the other thing I'll say about energy is uh, there's a lot of um, definition that goes into this, but it's it's simply like where you're putting your effort where you're putting your effort, where you're paying your attention. Um, because you yourself have energy and you could put it into something that moves fast or moves slow or is heavy or is is light, but you can put that effort into, into whatever it is. And so that's how I define energy. And then when we talk about um, releasing what no longer serves you, it means that you're putting this energy, this effort in or paying attention to this thing that is not um, moving whatever it is that you need to move forward. Like it is um, having a negative um, value, if you will. It is mm -hmm. taking energy. It's not 
um, you know, there are some things that you can do that can um, multiply energy. For example, I could have a workshop for this same book and have, you know, 10 people who want to create purpose in their life. And we join, we have a meeting and we walk out feeling there. We walk out of there feeling so fantastic and I've impacted these 10 people and they're going out with intention. That's a place where I have multiplied my energy. But then I can also, you know, try and revive a project that died <laughs> um, two months ago and I keep putting energy in there and all it does is take the energy mm. but then nothing is happening as a result of me putting the energy in it and so then I have to make that decision do I leave it so that I can conserve this energy for something else that I can either multiply or just add to it doesn't matter or do I keep pouring into this black hole project that's just taking and 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 not allowing me to have that impact and so energy energy is I mean, and then we could go, I could geek out and go into the, the physics of it all. But everything is energy. Everything is energy. Positive or negative, everything is energy. And it's the flow of energy that um, creates. It's the flow of energy that creates. And so tapping into the laws of physics, then we can understand even how it relates to how we we envision, create um, intent for ourselves. Yeah, people shouldn't look at it as physical energy. It's not so much, it can be, but it it's not be. just, it's not just, oh, I'm tired or I'm not. I mean, it's like mental energy, it's relational energy. I mean, you probably have a list of Monet. Um, but, and I think I was just writing about that this morning, actually. Um, I think as you get older, you realize what that's all about. Because, you know, when you're younger, you're following the script of life, go to college, get a degree, get a job, work hard, work hard, work hard until you get a promotion. And that's when you get your success. But we're never really taught about that energy, about, you know, that passion, that drive, that inner fire that we have, and whether or not what we're doing is channeling that and drawing it out of us. And unfortunately, most of us stick to that script of life, you know, so yes. I get a job, I get the family, that's it. You know, they still feel like something is off, but they, yes. they can't put their, their finger on it. And I think it's just, it's that energy. And we don't know, we don't know how to look at ourselves and analyze ourselves to re to really recognize what part of our life it is that's kind of off and that needs a little tweaking. So how did you, if you don't mind me asking, how did you come across that whole idea of energy and um, you've said you look at it in your career and your personal life. When did that first start to register how important that was? Um, so, I mean, it's been over many years, um, over many years, I would even say maybe about 15 to 20 years. Um, but really over the last five or six years, it has been about refining the language of how we speak about it, because like you say, it's there. Um, and we all have some level of understanding that it's there. Um, and we relate to it almost in a very basic primary level. I'm tired, like you said, mm. I'm not tired. But then, um, you know, as life is evolving and, and we are getting more information and access to understanding, um, you know, how the whole thing works, right? Then then we've been able to develop the language and then with developing the language, we've been able to um, 
start to tap into the thought processes and the idea the ideology uh, of the energy but what 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 illuminated this for me really is um looking at how i spend my time um right now like you said i i have <laughs> seven um things that i'm committed to seven different things that i'm committed to the david rio foundation it's david rio chai and tea it's lumo leadership with um with our executive coaches it's uh my coaching business it's the writing all of that it's like i have to do all those things and i have finite energy every day when i wake up in the morning um let's say i'm at 100% if you think about it like a battery a phone battery i'm at 100% mm -hmm. the moment i open up an email and if the email has you know some negative stuff in it like i'm being reprimanded for something that might impact my energy and bring it down to maybe 90 percent mm -hmm. and then i might go out in the day and um meet with people and i have a meeting that's very revitalizing and builds you know new projects and then that might push me up to 95 again but it's always playing around <laughs> and like it's it's just you know it's always moving around and then at the end of the day you get home you've done all these things you picked up the kids you cooked you did all these daily things and you're going to bed at 30 percent if you will and the act of sleeping then allows you to wake up again at 100 percent. i give this example because that, that's how I really thought and reflected on it over time. Um, but then if you start looking at um, things like uh, Newtonian physics and, and uh, quantum physics in terms of energy, Newtonian is, is time-space, meaning that it's the physical energy that you're using um, to, to make things happen. But I think what we are understanding now, which you touched on, which is the mental energy, the relations, relational energy and all of that, that is in an unseen realm. But um, the example I like to give is that, yes, you can't see gravity, but you know it's there. Mm. And I think that is the same thing with energy. It, you may not be able to, well, in some cases you can see energy, but it, it is there. And the the more powerful subtle energies are not visible which is this you know mental energy and and these other pieces and coming back to this new year workbook is like if you have the opportunity to think about the things you want to put your energy towards then again the example i give is it's like you've installed that for yourself in 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 your brain and in your in your knowledge base in your conscience um and so it's like the, a part of your operating system correct <laughs> correct 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 but yeah i am I kind of went off on a tangent there but no then, no it's all right hey, is... <laughs> and no but it all made sense and i love i love the example you give of waking up in the morning because some people may have that example and say <clears throat> i start at 100 then i'm going slowly down then certain things um deplete my energy quicker than others but i always saw it as it's just going down but again you brought that example where if you go into a certain meeting where it's with the right people and it's got the right energy and you're talking about possibilities and opportunities in the future and what you can do you can leave that meeting and it added 10 points back so i think that's 
that's like the prime example of this energy thing is it's not just a constant down, but what are those things that deplete your energy and what are those things that replenish it? I gave a, an example this week where <clears throat> maybe I felt some anxiety. And for me, anxiety is just energy that needs an outlet. It doesn't yes. necessarily have to be toxic or negative, anything like that. It's just that I need some kind of outlet, whether it's music, whether it's a conversation, whether it's reading, whether it's working out. So it's it's this energy that's there. It's not bad, but if I don't do anything about it, it just stagnates and then it becomes toxic because it's wearing on your body. So I'm taking that energy, let's just say it's negative, right? Just for simplicity purposes. And I work out, I use up that energy and then I leave energized with the right kind of energy. So that goes back to that battery idea of taking something that is negative in energy and, and shifting it to something that's positive. Um, so I love that example. I'm always going to think of that battery example of something that depletes it and then being around something that replenishes it. I think that provides a great visual for somebody that, listen, you don't have a hundred and then it's just all downhill. When we talk about these conversations, when we have these conversations, what are those things that deplete and replenish? And I think that's just, I love that example. That's perfect. <laughs> yes. And the thing is, energy is not polarized. Um, and, and that's where you're, you're pointing to as well. It's not polarized, it's energy. So you can put it towards something negative, you can put it towards something positive, you can, it, it's, it's malleable, but it's not polarized. Um, and so, you know, we always throw around, oh, that's such a negative energy. Mm. Um, no, it is us putting negativity to that energy. Yeah, that's why I hesitated calling it negative energy because it, it just doesn't make sense. It's something yes. that feels off, but it's not it's not negative. It's just for me, it's I think it's it leads to an impatience that I should do something right. with this energy. So it's that impatience. It's you know how it is feeling impatient. Is how I think about it, like trapped energy that needs to move. So it's like you took some energy and then you compressed it. And yes. so now it needs to move. And so yes. you can either throw it into something positive that and revitalizes you or you go out in the streets and punch somebody. I mean, it's still the same. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, I, it, yeah. That's a great, that's another great visual is, I mean, for me, anxiety is like that. Again, that energy and it's, you know, what am I doing with this energy that I have? If I leave it there, it's just going to become stale, stagnant, and then it gets worse. But uh, if I can do something to just kind of redistribute it, um, reanimate it so it's something better, yeah. I could talk about this all day. And then you brought in the physics and that's just a, a completely different area. Yeah. Mbone, when, when it comes to the book, can you break down how you organize the book? Like how, what kind of journey do you take the reader on when, when you're going through the journal? Yeah. So um, thank you for that. The, the way I do it. So we start off with, again, looking through the, the year and the easiest way I have found at least over the last three years is just opening my phone and looking at the albums because all the photos are there that's... every time something good happens you snap a picture yeah. so yeah that, that i found because previously i would look at my calendar um but yeah the calendar doesn't necessarily record everything i find that i've recorded everything in the pictures and so i go through the pictures and then i note through that and and the the book does 
I intentionally have questions that allow you to pay attention to what it is you need to pay attention to. And so like once you've done the the data dump, if you will, of all the things that have happened through the year, we look at it at different lenses. It's your personal life, your career, your um, physical health, your mental health, uh, your learning. Like what are you learning that's new? What are you doing for creativity? Um, what are you doing in community, social uh, your social um, involvement, giving back. And so you start to outline those things and then you realize, okay, yes, maybe I need to volunteer more or, oh my goodness, um, I didn't realize that I spent all this time, um, you know, supporting this cause. I guess I'm not doing so badly, but it is. it, it makes you look at all those facets of your life. And then also... We, I ask questions in there that allow you to point, like, what, what was the biggest risk you took this year? Um, what, uh, who are the three people that were most impactful um, in your day-to-day -day this year? Because then that helps you pay attention to where you're getting your energy. Because you could find that, oh, the person that you identified is not somebody who is always on your side. And then you can question that. Or you can find that they they really support you and you probably need to tap into that a lot more considering that um, now you have become present to the fact that they are having that impact on your life. And so we're asking those questions, we reflect on the year and then we get into this space where we there's um, intention of letting go of what no longer serves you. And throughout all these um, areas, I have, um, I have used uh, personal psychology to help um, guide the definitions as well as the questions. So in the letting go exercise, I do discern, like I, I define what forgiveness is, what letting go is, and where to look for that um, with the hopes that it, it allows you to, to truly release um, those things that you need to release. And then um, we then move on to the new year. And that's the part where I say we look at like, okay, let's start, we start by playing. So we explore. It's like, what is this big, big, big picture look like? Like if, mm -hmm. if, um, if you had no limitations and then now we start to hone in on, okay, now, now that you've thought about this big picture with limit, without limitations, what can we hone in on? Like, what can we say like for this coming year, what personal goal um, do you want to achieve? So like I've already gone through the process um, this year because I needed to proof my book and, and all of that. And so like, for example, for me, um, the, my one of the personal things that I want to accomplish next year is to learn how to play golf because I live on a golf course and I don't know how to play golf. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I've written That's a that good one. down. Yeah. And, and it's, it, for me, it's a win-win because it also helps with the physical health, you know, walking around and also community and getting to know my my neighbors and all of that. Um, but then it helps you identify certain goals that you want to to accomplish. And then it also helps you to choose with intention things that you will allow yourself um, to, to be able to do. Um, and then we and sort of with gratitude and, and self-declarations for what the year will will entail. And like I said, um, these, these questions are pulled from just general 
psychologies. I, I was looking at some of um, Young's work as well as Wayne Dyer and and a few other of the big names in the psychology so that I was looking at what what motivates us, what inspires us, like where do we get fulfillment from? And because I've gone through the process, but then now I wanted to be able to make sure that I was backing it up with mm. with with credible um with credible knowledge, like what what we've come to understand um within our world. And so so that that's it. That's yeah. it. Yeah. No, and, and I hope people do um, buy the book and and just kind of get in a sense for who they've been and where they're going. It sounds so. It sounds like common sense. It sounds like everyday practice. And people may say, "I do, I do celebrate my wins," but that's not enough. Um, I do know what I want to go into, or what kind of position I want to go into, or what I want to be when I want to when I grow up. But that's not enough. It's amazing how forensic this can get, not to a tedious every last detail, but just in terms of really thinking about it and breaking it down. So I think it's a valuable tool. Absolutely. And, and you know, some of the things that I think the biggest gift that you can give yourself is the time with yourself in silence. Um, many people although it's becoming more popular many people don't like to be alone with themselves in silence but if mm. you're alone with yourself in silence and it is with intention and you're you're you have this guide with you that allows you to look um in a meaningful way um then then it's actually again like i said it's fun um it's it allows you to tap into the joy of being human and and this human experience and i think usually the the fear with the with the silence is because it's unmitigated it doesn't have purpose you're silent and then everything just starts talking oh yeah yeah <laughs> yeah all that uh the mental chatter starts and yes it's um from what i've learned just from talking to all of you my guests your personal journeys uh moments of reflection moments of challenges moments of success um Oftentimes it comes up the moments of challenges, looking back to say your childhood, looking back at your trauma, your traumas, your disruptions. Um, and then when you start thinking about that and tracing your behaviors and where they came from, when you look into yourself, it can be scary. It can be scary. You know what I mean? So, but yeah, I would, I would, I don't feel comfortable doing that or as comfortable as I should. Um, but I mean, I don't know. Life is about, yes, ach achieving for others, for your community, for your family, whatever it is that you want around you. But at the same time, I think it's a gift to know yourself. It's a gift to know yourself and it's freeing and liberating to really get to a point where you're doing what you want to do, what's important to you, getting rid of what you don't want in your life anymore. I think a lot of people, again, they go through the motions of the script, but they don't really get to, I think a lot of the frustration I've seen with my clients is they don't really get to what it is that works for them, what they're about, their values. I think they give up. They do it out of the goodness of their heart to, to be a team player, to not rock the boat of their community or their workplace. But I think they give up real easily on who they are and what they want. And I mean, again, that script of school, this is what the the workforce needs from you. This is what 
the economy needs from you. This is what your family needs from you. This is what your community needs from you. But they tend to set aside themselves. That's the expense of looking at those things is kind of giving up on who they really are, what they really want to achieve for themselves. Yeah. And and, and so I want to bring on a topic that could be really extensive, but I'll try and, and, and summarize this. But, you know, um, there's, I, there's this thinking which I call ego-driven thinking. And it, by ego-driven thinking, I don't mean boastful or mm -hmm. being um, obnoxiously prideful. It's not that. It's the, it's the ego, which I, I my own definition of, of the ego is, is the mechanism that allows us to have this human experience. But in, in my thought process, the ego was never designed to be a thinking or sense-making entity. It is purely there for survival. And the moment you hand over your thinking to, to the ego, it can be chaotic and messy. <laughs> and, and yes, you may achieve um, fame or recognition or all these other things, but then it's, it's based out of fear because the ego is there to just make sure you stay alive and that mm. is the view that it 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 looks at like it's like will this kill me or will this keep me alive period there's no expansion beyond that and if you're looking at life through that lens then you know you're a hammer everything is just da, 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 right? <laughs> yeah <laughs> but but then if if you allow yourself um access to your own higher conscience your own higher being some people may say it's the soul whatever it is that you will call it and then it, that in conjunction with your ego now that can allow you to align to be to be purpose driven and and tying that back to this book is like when you allow yourself um that silence and then it's guided so that you're not just all over the place and, and especially if you're you're not practiced in in um tapping into your higher conscience then this will guide you into creating something fun for yourself it really is the experience of yourself but then guided mm. um and then and then also allows mm -hmm. you to to create what what you want yeah i think um I think with everything that happened during the pandemic, um, obviously there was like the great resignation. There were people quitting their jobs, seeing that their jobs, you know, you don't know if this is the end of the world. And meanwhile, you're shackling yourself to a job that really isn't for you. It doesn't align with what you want. Only so many people could afford to quit their jobs, walk away, what have you. But I think the pandemic did wake us up to the fact that you really need to consider what's important to you, that you could get, it was a perfect example. You could get up in the grind, the nine to five, the commutes, the deadlines, all that. And then when push came to shove and we didn't know if the world was gonna end or how dire that situation was gonna be, people were like, wow, this job, you know, why am I doing this for this job if it's not really what I want, if it doesn't call to me, if it's not, uh, it doesn't align with my values, my morals, what have you. Um, I think it set the stage for something like this to really look at what's important for you. And I hope people don't lose those lessons if they did see them and heed them. I hope we don't fall back into our, our own, our old ways of uh, achievement, success, deadlines, just those external check boxes. 
I hope we don't just go back to that and and forget about those internal needs that um, we realize that we in fact do need to take into account. So hopefully it's a good reminder to not give up on what it is you want because we're human beings, we're creatures of habit, but we could be we could be persuaded to step away from them so easily. Right. And and I, I think that to your point from an organizational standpoint, and then tying it back again to the energy of things, um, you know, when, when you show up to a job, um, <laughs> I, I read this years ago, the worst employee is the one that quits and still shows up the next day, meaning that, they, you know, they quit the job, but then they're coming to collect their paycheck. But Yeah, they're checked out. Exactly. And um, if we tie it back again to the energy, so if I have my my office, my organization, I have 40 people that work for me and 10 people come in with that attitude, that energy. What what am I accomplishing? As Like if you look at how I'm accomplishing what we need to do as a company, I'm not anywhere near optimum, not anywhere near um, what I would define as a successful business. And that's because I have people amongst me that are not aligned to who they are, don't find their joy. And in a perfect world, they don't need to be there. They should go where they find their joy. And the people who join my organization should um, join me because they find joy in what it is that we do. And um, and I'm not saying that, you know, there's no hard days or challenging things. In fact, that is part of the fun. But it, it you really do need to go where go where you thrive, go where you feel that you add value, go where you um, feel that you are aligned with what is happening there. And I think that's what I call one of the COVID linings, uh, which was you know some of the teachings that we had as a result of of pausing and reflecting on what really matters to us. But how can you? Sh- say or show up with what really matters to you if you haven't examined it. And um, that, that's what I hope the my book does as well, is just allows you to pause and look at what matters to you. And if you don't know what matters to you, then you will find it as a result of going through this exercise. But if you do know what matters to you, then maybe now you can be more intentional of about creating more of that for yourself. And the more we have people who are passionate and and um show up to work fully expressed the more um we move towards um the kind of world the kind of community the kind of companies that we want to experience and bonnet when it comes to your book i'm curious in writing it i know it's a practice that you say you've used for years um but even in writing this, putting this together, is there anything that shifted in your mindset on this or something you realized or something that you tweaked in your thinking about um, such a journal at the end of the year? Is there anything that that changed in you just from putting out this book? Yeah, I mean, a number of things, because um, as you said, I've done this practice for myself and I've done it from a place of having the knowledge of of. Um, coaching and 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 how you know how how we think um how personal personal psychology works but then i had to now then think to myself how does somebody who doesn't have that um participate in this 
um, meaningfully. And, and, and so then I had to refine the questions that I was asking. And that's why, like I said, I went back to like even Abraham Maslow's hierarchy of needs. It's like, mm. how, how do we feel when we are self-actualized? And so then what, what would we be looking at when we are self-actualized? That's where the, the mental health, the spiritual health, like th those sit in different classifications. But then it was guiding the kind of questions that I'll ask and what areas of life that we would look at. Um, and then like inner motivations, that's where the Jungian theory comes in. Um, because you see, when I was doing it on my end, I, I'm not thinking about it from that perspective. But when I thought about it being a useful tool for others, then I had to expand my thinking and expand um, how I was phrasing, framing these questions um, so that they can accomplish what it is that I hope they accomplish, which is insight um, to, to reflect. And then the insight in, in order to create a new for what serves you. So that was a big piece. Um, the other piece was, um, I I love to, well, I don't know if love is the correct word. I have developed the habit of thinking outside the box. I, the reason why I said I, love is not the correct word is because it makes me uncomfortable. But it is some, it's a habit that I have developed and um, is almost second nature to me. But the, I recognize that this is not how many people live their lives, like pushing themselves outside their comfort zone. And so figuring out how to, to um, capture that for others, to help others think outside their own um, comfort zone was a little bit of a challenge, but I, I think I figured out how to do it by the questions that I'm asking. Um, and that's where it comes to like thinking without the limitations, if failure wasn't an option, what would you accomplish? But then what that allows us to do is to tap into what is possible and actually tap into the lives that we envision for ourselves. Because um, I think one thing that I think you, you um, encounter with your coaching and, and I do as well is people come to you because they're thinking, okay, what next? Or is this it like is this really it and how to ask that question without being in a coaching session <laughs> is what i was trying to accomplish so I, I had to wrap my head around that um and so going back into my books and and really reading and and then cross-referencing so that um the, the product is uh credible but then still fun because <laughs> uh, I wanted to make sure that we are still keeping it fun and easy and simple and light uh, because there is a tendency for me specifically when I start to look at the academics, then I become very clinical and I didn't want that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because obviously there's so much research out there on different topics across different industries and fields, but yeah, it's it's uh, you want to maintain that healthy balance between the technical and the everyday, like everyday language, everyday understanding, because I mean, we're complex, but we like things simple. We like things straightforward. Right. Right. What I wanted to ask you though, Mbone, what, when it comes to you saying, thinking outside the box, what, where does that come from for you? Where did you learn that? Where did you pick that up? How did that, how do you think that evolved this idea of you just not wanting to do things or think about things in their standard way, but instead step outside of the norm? 
Yeah. So um, there's a phrase, and I know I used it in the other podcast, and I I know I used it in the other podcast because I use it in everything, (laughs) which is this, (laughs) everything that you desire that's not in your current experience resides outside your comfort zone. Otherwise, you'd already have it. And yeah. so if, if I'm looking at my life and saying, you know what, I wish I had a new house. Well, how would I get that new house? I would have to do something differently than what I'm doing today because I can't do the same things every day and expect different results. And so just understanding that intrinsically is what has helped me maintain that. But how it started to develop for me, ironically, is because... Well, well, one of the reasons is when I moved to this country um, and the first time that I truly experienced being, um, uh, let's say, a foreigner in this country, um, I realized that I am outside the comfort zone. Like me, <laughs> my, who I am is outside the comfort zone. Mm. And so then how do I create a space where I am, I am the outside the comfort zone, but then there's space for me to be there as well. And um, that means, again, doing things differently, um, not showing up the way, quote unquote, everyone is showing up. I, I come, you know, triple prepared. I come with um, my ideas and I'm brave enough to share these ideas. Um, in spaces that they may be new to, but it's it's a muscle that I have chosen to develop because as a result of being different, um, sometimes I have been treated differently or m- assumptions are made about who I am based on my quote unquote difference. And so I have to become comfortable with the uncomfortable. And the mm-hmm. way to do that is, to, the way to build that muscle is to just, take on uncomfortability if you will yeah it's interesting that you bring up just your immigrant story right when you take that leap from a different country your your home country to somewhere else uh i didn't do that but my parents did that and i think even and i've talked to a few other colleagues whose families are from our recent generation immigrant families or their immigrants themselves and there's just something about that mindset where you know these people came to this country leaving everything that they knew so it's like once you get here and you assimilate to the ways you know career college what have you i think it's like explorational dna that we have where okay we'll we'll do the norm stuff the script the school the career but that can't be it i think i really do think it's it's just this gene this dna that's inside you to just keep exploring keep pushing you know that our families you yourself didn't come here just to just for mediocrity i guess (laughs) that's not that's not you know we're not getting here and stopping at a script we're going to keep going we're going to keep pushing beyond so i love that you bring up that part because i think that's key and it's very important Absolutely. And and I love that you brought up the, the DNA because I, I was reflecting on this a few um, a few months ago as I was talking to my mom because I, I think I have recognized that everyone that you see that is successful 
if you start looking at their gene line, you will see similar traits. It is not by accident. And when I look at my own heritage, both my parents came from um, villages outside of the city, uh, pre-colonial Africa, pre-colonial Kenya, like my, my great, my great grandparents did not know British rule, whereas my grandparents did. But they, they I say that because when, wherever they came from, they moved to the city and tried that new life. And my grandparents also moved from where they were from because my, my grandparents um, migrated as well um, over the years, meaning that they moved. So I don't think it's a coincidence that I am here today in these United States. And then when I look at my mother and her sisters um, and, and my uncles and what they have accomplished and, and where they are in the world today, it is no mistake that I am where I am today because it has been modeled for me. I have seen it. It is something I know, but then it is within me intrinsically um, to explore. And, and I find that very fascinating because while we we think through, you know, what is possible for us, there's some things that I think um, come with us, who we are, what, make, what makes us who we are, the, the specialness of each individual person. And when you align with your purpose, you become much more um, powerful within your own world for yourself and others. So you become a better mother, a better leader, a better manager. Um, but that's when you align with, with, with who you are and your purpose. It's amazing. And I don't, I know you just put this one out there. So it's a recent publication. So I'm not going to rush you about what the next book is about, but it's fair to ask you that because this is something you do all the time. <laughs> you just published <laughs> it in a book. So because you're just putting thoughts that you've had every year into a book and, and customize it and, and um, put it out there for everybody, I feel I can't ask what, what do you think your your writing is going to take on next? Do you have any general idea? You don't have to go into specifics, but any ideas where you want to go next in your authorship? Yes. So great question. And and I am working. I have been working on a book about change, um, and it, it's very exciting. And and I have um, I'll be speaking about it at the um, Purpose Summit uh, next year in Charlotte. Uh, and so the book better be out by then. <laughs> um, but it, it, it's about change and and um, and choosing change. And I always tell people, if you don't choose change and change chooses you, usually the latter is uncomfortable. Yeah. When change chooses you, it, do, it usually doesn't feel that great. And so what would happen if you chose change? Um, because if you choose change, then you can participate um mm -hmm. with intention by choice with what is happening for you and i look at change both from a personal perspective as well as an organizational perspective but in, in essence it's it's all the same um and you'll find that a lot of the work i, I make it consumer ready but then i also um have the lens from an organizational perspective but change is my next big thing choose change don't let it choose you <laughs> Mbona, and I, I didn't get to ask you this last time. I don't know why I didn't include this question. Quick question. What book has inspired and made an impact on you? Oh, so many. Oh, my gosh. Well, well which one? There's got to be one that jumps out maybe slightly ahead of all the others. 
yeah i mean the one that's coming to, to mind right now and i usually recommend this to all the young women or women who are um at a point where they're asking these questions like uh you know what next is this it is glennon doyle's um uh untamed untamed uh, by glennon doyle uh, because she she without spoil well try not to spoil it but she really looks at at okay when you're following the script this is what it looks like and when you're following that script you can find that you become really miserable because you're not really um, fully expressed and then she mm. talks about her own journey and how she moves towards being um, fully expressed and being authentic about how her life is and and she touches on everything from the success the fame the her marriage her divorce her new partner and the depression she suffers from like it's all encompassing it's very real uh, and i think every woman should read that book for sure and men don't get me wrong but but um, I think it, it will resonate with, with a lot of women. Perfect. Yes. And then in wrapping up, Mbone, is there anything that you want to share about what you're up to these days? Anything that you want to put out there uh, and share with this audience? Yeah. So um, I think that if, if, if you'll allow me, um, it's, it's the David Rear Foundation. Um, just, we are hopefully going to be able to launch our website early next year and so you'll be able to see everything that we're doing on the ground with the conservation efforts and um, i welcome everyone to support it um as i didn't mention this time but i mentioned it last time we name our chai after endangered species and then we work with the international fund for animal welfare to fund those programs and the big program we have going on right now is room to roam and room to roam is um, an ifo led initiative that um, is creating more room for the elephants. Elephants are big mammals. And in order to keep them safe, they need more room. And we're working uh, across um, 12 sub-Saharan countries uh, within different clusters to, to expand that space. And as we expand that space, we want to make sure that that space remains safe for the animals. And the elephant is kind of the animal at the at the top of the ecosystem that allows the other animals to thrive um, because you know like when they go through a forest and they um, they tear down the old uh, flora and fauna that allows the other little animals to be able to move through that get their food trap things I mean it's it's so fascinating but then um, the elephant um, is really leading the way in this in this um in this project and so room to roam is is near and dear to me and as soon as we launch that website the the support from um everyone would be great and then the other thing that i did touch on is this conference next year the purpose summit where we're pulling together purpose-driven brands that are making a difference and i'll be speaking there about change um and then finally, always LUMO leadership, uh, where parenting and um, and work intersect, where we are creating solutions for working parents mm. um, to be able to thrive and not 
be left behind as a result of being part of the workforce. So those are the things that are um, on my heart. Uh, and that's that's what's important to me right now. And that's what I ask for support with. And two, two more things briefly. I don't want to hold you too much longer that I want to ask about. Hey, if you could just give people a breakdown just of what your your gratitude journal the the other book that we covered what that's about before they jump into the other episode which i hope they will yes. so if you could just speak to that and then also an update on your sons yes <laughs> so <laughs> wonderful thank you for those questions uh so the gratitude journal i uh, that came up as a result of 2020 um, early in 2020, I think you remember when you'd put on the TV and it was just death count after death count after death count, and it, it became very depressing. And for me, in order to survive it, and you know, we were all so isolated, I started looking at what am I grateful for? And for whatever reason, I chose to do it for 29 days straight. I think I may have read it somewhere like do something for 29 days and i know it's not even the number for forming a habit but it 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 was the number that stood out to me and so i did it for 29 days and every evening i'd sit down and write 10 things that i'm grateful for um and as a result of doing that practice i started to feel a little more grounded and mm. so i started writing literally the 29 days out for my friends um so that they could join me in the journey and then i'd ask them yeah how do you feel after doing this for 10 days 15 days and they'd say yeah i feel better and so i started looking into it and then i created the journal so that i don't have to handwrite it for <laughs> other people but then also yeah. creating the journal allowed me to then have this larger platform to share this practice um with others um look how paying attention to what you're grateful for um, allows you to see what's working in your life. And when you can move from the space of what's working in your life, you can attract more of the good in your life. Um, and so th this is what I discovered for myself and wanted to be able to share it with others, but then also help them to, to cultivate that habit of of looking for things to be grateful for to be thankful for uh, and so that's how it came about and it's still available um on amazon so is this new book uh and the the link that's shared there the link tree with the um, bonio bima has links to all of it to the conservation work to the david rio chai to the lumo leadership all of it is in that um link that we have up there and then the two sons so i always tell people that i have two sons um and one is a human child who is now seven and he's doing very well he just wrote his own first um comic book <laughs> and <Nice>. it's called <laughs> yeah it's called uh, amazing bob and so i'm helping him <laughs> publish that and and it's such a a funny book because he's really writing about the things that he enjoys and i taught him about copyright and all of that so he's renamed everything that he likes in the book like for example um he says that he went to a nintendo game uh conference and he changes it to game tendo um and, but he doesn't want to be sued so funny. <laughs> 
Yeah. Exactly. But it is so funny. And so I'm going to be helping him publish that. But he is doing well in second grade. And then the other um, son is is um, Ambo, who is the, the elephant that uh, my son Trevor adopted when he was two. And it my my goal with um, helping Trevor adopt him was so that he started to learn very early about conservation and and the African wildlife. And so now Ambo is seven, which means he's really big. And so he's no longer in the orphanage that we um, adopted him from. He was moved to the Savo, Savo National Conservancy, uh, which can take on you know the, the bigger elephants. And so at least every year we are able to go to Savo and see Ambo. Um, but ironically, Ambo was was rescued from Amboseli, which is where I have my projects um, with David Real. See, full circle. Full, full circle. <laughs> that's amazing. Full circle, yes. Um, Bone. So thank you for sitting down with me and going over your book, uh, Reflect and Renew, a New Year workbook. Um, I love that you focus on that gratitude with the first book, that 29 day period. And then especially, um, you know, there's no difference between this year and next year, right? It's, it's on right. paper that you see that difference, but you know how we are like the start of the week is Monday. There's no difference between today and tomorrow, but the start of the week is Monday. The start of the year is January 1st. You know how, uh, programmed we are to think that way. So it's, it, it's, even though, even if today was December 31st and tomorrow, January 1st, you couldn't tell going through the days, but seeing it on paper is just something about, okay, this is a fresh start. This is where I can start anew. But I love that you have us look backwards too. Um, Cause I always say as well, like you got to look back to help build forward. So thank you for putting out those books and thank you for sitting down with me. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. It's always a pleasure um, to speak with you and explore these topics and uh, thank you for the opportunity to come back and and share this new work, and Absolutely. I hope that with the next with the next change book, we'll be back and we'll talk about change. Absolutely, open change. invitation anytime you want. Thank you, John. I truly appreciate it. And if there's anything that I might have missed, anything that I should have asked, please let me know. I'll reach out to Mbone and see if there's anything that she can provide, any insight <coughs> she can give us. Uh, in the meantime, thank you for watching. Thank you for listening, and I'll talk to you soon. Take care. Bye.